Hey lovelies, welcome to the journey of self-love through self-care. My name is Amy Mercado and I'm the owner and the creator of my brand, The Mercado Method, where I teach a variety of online fitness, yogas, breath works, meditations and other bits and pieces. So if you're interested in joining any of the classes, you can head over to my YouTube or my website. Details are below. Today's episode, I'm really excited because Kaylee has joined me today from Simply Spiritual Healing. And Kaylee and me originally connected over a year ago now at Future Proof, where I first saw Kaylee when we was doing a group curtain and she was playing instruments. I met your partner, Paul, who was, who was um, playing instruments as well. Your little girl was like running around, like doing her thing. I don't think you was pregnant then when I originally, you was? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you was pregnant at an event, but we didn't really get a chance to connect until another event that I was at and we did some yoga together at Illuminate. And from there, I, I don't feel like I've ever really had a proper quality chance to really get to know you. So. I really wanted to invite you on today so you can share who you are and about maybe a little bit of your journey and what you're up to at the moment because I was having a nose at your Facebook and I was like right she's doing ceremonial cacao sessions angelic reiki masters curtain women's circles conscious festivals conscious meetups online courses and I was like you're now a mum of two as well so I was like Please tell us more about yourself and what you'd like to share. And let's just roll with what we go with today and see what comes out. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Um, <laughs> just hearing your list all that off, I was like, Jesus, that's a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, right then. So um, where to start? So for those that don't know me, um, I'm Kaylee from Simply Spiritual Healing. Um, my husband is Paul Makinson. He's sort of the front man of the business while I've been taking a step back with the kids um, behind the scenes, as I like to call it. Hmm. So recently I've started coming coming out a little bit more, um, facilitating a bit more, hence the women's circles and things like that um just as the kids are getting older jimmy is exclusively breastfed but now that he's sort of eating solids he's becoming a bit more of a independent little soul so i'm able to leave him for a couple of hours which is great um the me time tends to be when i'm facilitating because it's sort of you know it feeds my soul i love it so much and you know channeling with the divine it's only like the best healing you can get in it so i've been using that um not only to to help other women and um get out of the house but for my own healing as well um So since, I feel like I'm working backwards here, but this is just how it's coming out. So um, <laughs> since having Jimmy, I've been on quite a journey, actually. Um, quite a, a deep, some would call it shamanic, but I, I'm, it's a bit of a weird word for me, is shamanic. I, I struggle to connect with it. So for me, it's more of an um, initiation, I think I'll say. 
where I have had the complete opposite experience to when I had Eleanor. She was like my awakening. She was the beginning of my spiritual journey. I had no clue about any of this sort of stuff before I, before I had Ellie. And she guided me towards all that through the womb, which was amazing. So throughout her whole childhood up until recently, like it's just been my awakening, Ellie showing me the way. She's like the little guru of the family, bless her. She's just so sweet and innocent, but wise beyond measure. Like she blows me away sometimes. Um, but when Jimmy came along, everything sort of went backwards and I completely lost spiritual connection. And usually, like I before I had Jimmy, you know, I was such a clear channel. Everything just came so easily and I was so grateful and blessed. But I feel like Jimmy's come along and just wiped the slate clean and he's like, right, it doesn't happen this easily. That was just like a taste so you know what's at the end. Now we've really got to graft it and I'm going to show you how hard it is, how dark it can be, <laughs> how tiring life with a real baby is like because Ellie was like this massive blessing She's just like, she's not even like a child, you know, she's like a grown-up. Jimmy has been hard work. So I've had, it was it was undiagnosed for like eight months, but I've had postnatal depression, which, you know, explains a lot of the disconnection. Um, just lack of energy of all kinds, you know, spiritual energy, physical energy, just getting out of bed energy. It was, uh, it's been a really, really tough journey. But it was about maybe how old is he now? Eleven months. So yeah, around one, around eight months. Um, I went through a charity called Fab, and it's families and babies, and they're a breastfeeding support charity. So I contact them, uh, contacted them, and asked them about how I could make my life easier, basically, while breastfeeding. And I just I told them everything I'm feeling about it. And, you know, I'll be completely honest, I absolutely hated it. I just, every time I needed a feed, I got really stressed and really mad. And I was just like, why, why do I feel like this? This can't be normal. It's not like, you know, not just on TV, but in general, when you see a woman breastfeeding, it fills you with so much happiness. And the mum looks so happy, you know, and baby's happy. And I just didn't have that sort of connection with it. So I contacted them and when, when I told her, how I was feeling she was like this sounds so much more than just a challenging breastfeeding baby this sounds more like postnatal depression so I went down the counseling route and now like I'm getting so much better so much more in control I still have down days and up days and it's a bit unbalanced still but I'm definitely getting there um but yeah around eight months I sat and I just really felt into my body really felt into my womb space, held myself in ceremony with some cacao. Um, I think it it was a full moon as well, but I didn't realise it was a full moon. It was just sort of go with a flow feeling. Um, and when I, I did like um, a meditation and just some light journaling and like the pen just took me into this journey and it was just like everything that I needed to know just came out as to spiritually why I lost connection, 
why I've been going through what I've been through. And it turns out it's just this amazing journey that I'm blessed to have been on for my kids. So when I had Jimmy, I buried my placenta in the garden and I did the ceremony and I did chanting to Mother Earth and I asked her in return for this placenta to help me move through and remove the um, womb trauma, ancestral womb trauma that I carry. I, I felt it was so heavy, you know, and I've got like, before my brother was born, there was just 60 years worth of women born in my family. There was just no men born. It was just like, it's amazing. Like my grandma told me, I was like, how is that even possible? I didn't understand how it works, but I've got like 60 years worth of women's womb trauma sat on my shoulders and in my womb. So I, I consciously, when I buried the placenta, I did all this work. This is quite a funny story, actually. So a couple of days later, we stayed, no, we stayed out overnight that night, sorry. And when we came back the next morning, my placenta was in the garden, <laughs> half ravaged <laughs> with a big bird pecking at it. I was like, Mother Earth rejected it. <laughs> she <doesn't have> my <laughs> ancestral womb trauma. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> if Mother Earth won't even take it, I don't know what to do. So I reburied it and I, I sort of reaffirmed, you know, I was like, look, if there's anything else you need from me, just tell me, I'll do it. And everything felt really clear. So I put it back in. <laughs> the next morning I went out and I thought, I'm going to check this time just to make sure, because, you know, I live on a council estate. We don't really have fences up and stuff. So people could just walk past my placenta, discarded in the middle of the road. <laughs> but I don't want to be on the front page of Wakefield Express. <laughs> This is this placenta. So I went out the next morning and it had gone. Whatever, whatever animal it was, I'm guessing it was a fox because I put these big stones on top as well this time to keep it in there. It must have been a fox, you know, something big. I dug it up and taken it and I checked the hole and I checked the garden. I was like, something's stolen it. What if it's a cat and they've took it home? Or, you know, I was getting all these paranoid feelings and I was like, no, it was whatever it is, is too big to be a cat. So I was like, right, obviously that's that's the plan that the divine had. They didn't want it in a hole. They wanted some family of foxes to take it. Fair enough. And I, I sort of fell in love with the story a bit. The morning after that, I looked out of my window and they brought it back. <laughs> I don't know why. And this time it was like near my door. And it was proper ravaged and, you know, it was minging. It was all dried up and everything. Uh, but it, <laughs> it was definitely my placenta because it still had the, like, plastic clip on that they put on to stop it bleeding. And I was like, right, there's a lesson in this. There must be a lesson in this. So I really, like, Paul dug a proper deep hole, like, as deep as he could get it without touching the core of the earth <laughs> back in and this time we did like a family ceremony with it so me Paul and Ellie like we threw dried flowers in you know we all covered it over together and it felt so much better that it had gone in that way but I was just thinking like why is it why does it keep coming out of this hole back to me like you know what is the message with it and I never really understood what the message was, but I knew that it was trying to show me something and trying to let me know something was coming or something was happening and that I needed to be ready for it. 
so then I went down this journey of postnatal depression and when I did this ceremony it was just saying like look this is what you asked for you asked for this because in 60 years of your family every woman had postnatal depression if you want to clear this ancestral womb trauma you're the only conscious one that's going to feel it and embody it and learn about what it is and what it means and make sure that your children don't go down that route and that it doesn't carry on. So I've been on this dark, scary, terrifying journey at times and I feel like I've kind of lost eight months of my son's life, which I know could have been filled with so much lightness and happiness. But if that means for the rest of their lives that they don't have to feel that and experience that and carry that weight because it's heavy, then I'm more than happy. I'd do it again in a heartbeat, but it has been a really, really tough journey. So that takes me up to like now where I'm doing what I can physically, exercise-wise. I'm trying to eat better and make sure that I'm, if I feel myself slipping down, I'm being so conscious of catching it before it happens using that energy and putting it into mantra into journaling um I've just started your exercise videos which are helping me build the strength in my body that I need because I try to try to do some yoga and by the end of it I'm absolutely knackered because I've just got no I've done no exercise for like eight months and my body's just like a little floppy fish just like where's where's the core <laughs> there's nothing left in here so um yeah I've, I feel like now I know that I had to lose my spiritual connection to go through the postnatal depression because they both can't live in the same realm. You know, you can't be spiritually connected and feel all that darkness at the same time. The connection has to go. It's like, you know, the light and the dark never come together. They're always next to each other, aren't they? So now I'm sort of coming out of the darkness. The connection's coming back. And it's just like coming home, you know, I just feel it so much, so much light energy coming into my body. And it makes it so much easier to cope on the hardness, <laughs> just knowing that the divine is there with me. Oh, it's such, such a blessing. So, yeah, it's been quite a journey. I haven't actually told many people about my um, postnatal depression either. It's, I haven't put it out in social media realms yet or anything so this will probably be the first time most people are hearing it wow what um I guess it's almost something that isn't really it, I've heard of it but I don't know too much about it and I guess I don't know like for you to get to a certain point that there's no sort of indication of this could be that and mm. maybe I, I guess reflected now what would be some things that did highlight to you if you could to help others maybe to to guide them through that yeah definitely um so just just for people that are listening that that may have postnatal depression or may think that could be uh something that they're experiencing for me I, I never I don't know why because looking back it was so obvious but it never occurred to me that that's what it could be for the whole eight months, just I was just plodding on, getting the job done. I was in like such an unconscious, foggy state 
that I just didn't realize that it was wrong you know and that's coming from having a perfectly beautiful experience with Eleanor with no postnatal depression I knew that that's not what it was like but it took such a hold on me that I was blind to it so looking back and sort of what the symptoms I suppose were just so when, when you have a baby your hormones go a bit crazy um, you have up and down days for a few weeks and then things settle down you fall in love with your baby as you're getting to know one another you know and that moment didn't quite hit for me so I knew I, knew I loved him I could feel it but it was like way way down inside me somewhere and I couldn't quite figure out where it was so uh, over all that I was just in robot mode of you know trying to make sure he's fed is he feeding properly is he eating properly is he sleeping properly and I was constantly thinking all the time about stuff that he should be doing properly rather than just going with the flow so I think that one of the first symptoms is to to look at it as you know how do you feel when you're around your baby? Do you feel like you're so in love with him and every time you look at him, you just want to cry with happiness? Or do you get stressed and upset and anxious, maybe even angry? I had a lot of anger towards Jimmy. Um, That was a big one. Other things were, like, because he was breastfed, well, because he's breastfed, I kind of, I think that's where my confusion came and I didn't put it down to postnatal depression. I was blaming it on breastfeeding because so many people, like outside influencers, are so confusing sometimes. Everyone says how hard breastfeeding is. It's so hard. The journey's so hard. It takes away your independence. It takes away this. It takes away that. But no one tells you about all the beautiful stuff that comes with breastfeeding. So I went into it with all this, right, it's going to be hard, but we can do it. And there was none of this, oh, I can't wait to breastfeed my son sort of feelings. So when he actually got here and I was learning how to feed him and he was learning how to feed, I was just like, right, this is just breastfeeding. It's just hard. He's feeding. Every time he wants a feed, I have to stop doing stuff. I can't connect with Ellie anymore. So I was just getting in this sort of vicious cycle of every time he needed a feed, I was thinking of everything that I could have been doing instead. So I think that was a, a big indication as well. Just when it comes to feeding time, how are you feeling about it? Because really you should be like, yes, cuddle time with my baby. <laughs> Get to lay down and do nothing. Woo! And I just wasn't having any of that. Um, other things were usual things that come along with depression. Um, no energy, just lack of any sort of passion no sexual desire just no desire for life in general I didn't want to eat I didn't want to drink anything I just had myself was on the back burner completely just like I couldn't even remember I think I went like over a month without even having a wash and I couldn't I just couldn't even think of why I would wash I was like well what's the point and I'm just gonna get covered in sick again you know because he was like he was sick a lot so yeah just put yourself on the back burner not looking after yourself, um, general well-being, you know, like just going out on a walk with in the pram with him, I would just absolutely dread it. I was an anxious wreck. So, yeah, like I say, looking back, I'm listing all this 
and you know you can hear it clear as day that's not that's not normal that's not what parenthood is but when you're in it because it's your normal and all your brain's just saying my job is to keep the baby alive it's all I have to do is keep the baby alive there was no other part of my brain that was saying and we can love him and have fun and we can play and we can do this and that you know so yeah just um for people that are sort of thinking maybe that that's the case or maybe they know a mother a new mother that's struggling you don't even have to be a new mother I met someone the other day that's got three-year-old and she still has postnatal depression and she's only just realizing that's what it is so if you know a mother you know that maybe on the outside looking prim and proper but you know you know that there's something going on just maybe drop hints ask nicely and gently don't go in full throttle because that can be quite aggressive when you get into mother bear mode and someone asks you what's wrong you're like nothing my baby's fine like yeah. are you okay what do you mean me I'm not in this equation what are you on about my baby's fine that's what I used to be like so yeah just um just approach it gently and if it is yourself you know there is there is help out there I'm working with the perinatal team they work with you up until two years after your baby's been born which is really helpful um and they offer so much so much more than any other team I've come across in mental health like there's mum and baby groups they offer all sorts of different types of counseling and therapies it's just really it's the best thing I've found on the NHS so far so yeah, just reach out to your GP and they'll sort of put you in touch with them or just give them a Google, they'll just come straight up. Did you breastfeed Eleanor then? No. So what made you decide to try this then? So I wanted to breast to breastfeed Ellie. It was on the agenda. Um, I didn't even have bottles and formula and stuff until the last couple of weeks when Paul said, because it was lockdown was coming in as well. And um, Paul said, oh, well, what if I was about, we just get one box of formula just in case, it, you know, it's better to be prepared and that. And I was like, not really happy about it, but yeah, we're not going to use it. So it's fine. We'll just take it to a food bank. And she was born in the second week of lockdown. And there was just like no support. No one would come in your house. You know, it was just like, everyone was terrified. And um I was, I remember, I was trying to feed her and she just couldn't, she couldn't figure out how to latch on. I didn't know how to feed her without suffocating her or doing it wrong. And I just couldn't figure out what to do, you know. No one was there to show me. We, they give you these little syringes and they look like cowpole syringes. And I was like trying to hand express through this giant breast <laughs> that's just so milk logged because it's not been milked in like three days into this tiny tiny little colostrum syringe and I was just got to the point where I was like I can't I can't do this anymore it's not it's just not working if no one can come round and help me how am I supposed to to do this you know so Paul said maybe we just give her one bottle see how you feel about it you know she doesn't have to take it she might not even want it and as soon as she took that bottle the all my stress just evaporated I fell into like a puddle of tears just all the relief that she were actually feeding because that was the the biggest stress for me was that I was scared she wasn't eating enough 
and it's really hard to judge when you breastfeed because you don't have the ounces on the side of the bottle. So um, yeah, that was that was why I didn't breastfeed Ellie, and I grieved it for a while. You know, I really, really wanted that experience, and I planned it ahead. That's all I was going to do, and it didn't happen. But this time around, that's why I was so like, I will do it. I think I'd carried a lot of that trauma over and just sort of dumped it on Jimmy's little experience, bless him. So I was like, you will feed this boob in your mouth. <laughs> and I went into this crazy boob robot. <laughs> and this is what we do when we have babies, just go absolutely mental. <laughs> so yeah, it was a, that was a, the main reason it would not fail. <laughs> I was probably just going on and repeating my subconscious. <laughs> you would not fail. So a bit of a boob journey then. Oh God, these boobs have been through some crazy journeys, bless them. I feel um... like I need a boob healing. <laughs> Do they exist? <laughs> well, I'm sure you can put something together. <laughs> yeah, I'll add it onto my um, online journal <laughs> once I've figured it out. <laughs> So tell us a little bit as well, because you said your journey didn't really start till you had your first one. What was life like pre finding a bit of well, finding your spiritual experiences? Mm. It was full of anxiety and suicidal thoughts and depression. I, I've been on quite a journey. Like I'm only 24. I think I'm 24. I keep losing track. And many people don't know that about me because I'm quite, some people call me wise. I don't know about wise, but I think I'm just confident in my spirituality because I found something that works. So people tend to be quite surprised when they hear about my age. But through my life, I've been through so much trauma and neglect and physical abuse. You know, I've sort of almost brought up my siblings from being about, I don't know, about six years old. It's just been a bit of a crazy life that I've led. And I've carried that over into my spirituality, which is, I think, where some of like the wisdom side of things come in and why I sound older than I am, because I have to grow up very early. Um, So my mum and dad haven't sort of been together they were together for like 14 years, but it was dangerous, their relationship. Two people that just shouldn't be together were together for way too long. Had too many kids and then went, oh, shit, <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> so then we'll take some more drugs and just ignore them. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of... Um, my like my mum had a really bad bringing up. She carried a lot of that trauma and just passed it on to her kids because she didn't know any better. And I became sort of the protector. I was the second eldest. My brother was just like trying to get out of there as quickly as he could. And I did the same at his age. But before that, you know, I was protecting the youngest ones. So I've got a younger sister and then two younger brothers. And they were like my babies. You know, my, my younger brothers called me mum and stuff. And I was like, shh, don't tell mum that. <laughs> but they went and loved it. And I think that's where a lot of my maternal instincts come from and why I love being a mother as well um so yeah I sort of protected them for as long as I could possibly stand to be in the house and then once I got to like I think I was about 15 things were just getting dangerously angry between me and my mum you know and you know it's like living with a woman you sync up 
harm, harm, uh, harmoniously, <laughs> not harmoniously, the opposite, hormonally. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that just became really dangerous. So I had to leave because we just ended up starting to fight and things like that. And when I left, I just became so suicidal. I just didn't want to be, I couldn't figure out why I was alive. That was the, the underlying question was if I if I was to go through all that in my childhood and be punished so much as a, a really good kid, you know, like I was such a good kid. I would clean the house like crazy when my mum was on a come down so that she had a nice clean house and I wouldn't get hit then. And, you know, I was like super quiet, keep the kids quiet, take them out for hours and hours so my mum could party. And I was a really good kid, like the picture of good. And I just couldn't figure out why I still kept getting all this, this trauma added to my list. And my, like my grandma, I used to go to my grandma's on a weekend and she was a really, really Christian lady. She would, we would talk about God. She got me christened and confirmed, went to church every Sunday when I went there. And I was like asking God, like, why, why do you keep doing this to me? I don't understand. And I, I you know, I just couldn't, I just couldn't figure it out. So then I carried that into my teenage years and then into sort of late teenage, early, early adult. And I was, yeah, I just couldn't figure out why I was supposed to be alive. And I talked myself into this story of when I took my own life, my family would finally realize all the trauma they put on me my mum would become a really good mum to the kids, you know, and this story like manifested so well into my head that it was like God's word spoken truth. You know, I really believed that would happen. I was so ill. I had no idea and nobody around me knew. I never told a soul about this ever until I'd started coming out of it. Um, the anxiety alongside that was just next level like I didn't know it was anxiety I had no idea but I had this green coat for example and it had this zip it was just a charity shop coat and it had one tooth missing out of the zip and if you'd got it just right you could zip the whole thing up and wear it all day as long as you didn't make too many sudden movements so that it popped open and I don't I never got a new coat until like I, until I realized what was going on but I would like zip it up. And if I couldn't get it past this one broken tooth on this zipper, I would literally fall to the floor in a mess. If it popped open while I was out in town, I would just like drop to the floor. My whole world would fall apart. And it was just like, why, why does this happen? And I never knew that it was anxiety or that it had a name. I just thought it was the world telling me just, just get out of here, <laughs> just wow. leave. So that sort of manifested into the story my really poorly minded created. And then when I got pregnant with Ellie, which was quite a surprise because Paul told me he couldn't have kids. <laughs> he just assumed because he'd never got anyone pregnant. I kind of thought he'd been tested or something, you know. <laughs> Typical Paul. I hated kids. I didn't want any. I just brought all my siblings for like all my life. So I was like, that's great. I don't like kids. We could just have this life where we get pissed all the time, do whatever we want. So yeah, there's like six months, seven months into our relationship. I found out I was pregnant and we were just like, 
oh shit <laughs> what do we do now <laughs> like I've got seriously no idea what to do couldn't figure out how I felt about it but one thing that changed drastically right from that moment was the story stopped playing in my head because if I could carry a baby in this world there must be a reason I'm alive so after that I had absolutely zero uh, suicidal thoughts anxiety completely dissipated it was like magic just the one one thing that happened was that pregnancy test and ever since that day Eleanor has taught me so much like she completely changed my life and I think that's where the spiritual journey kind of sparked as well because it if that could happen overnight just through that one sort of thing what helped it planted a seed of like what else is going to happen through this pregnancy because that's a massive change stopped me killing myself like that's amazing mm. so yeah it's been um been through a lot I've, I've experienced a lot like as a child that people just shouldn't or that we think shouldn't experience but you know it's been the catalyst for my growth and for my spiritual journey and for me to have been able to properly facilitate all the healing I've been so blessed to give people and well not give them but give them the space to heal themselves and my kids you know like they're born into this now what are they going to be doing at my age I can't even picture it it's just going to be so beautiful so I'm so blessed and happy that I experienced all of that which before this stuff I wasn't you know I was the martyr how dare I go through that how dare my mother do this? And now I'm just like, thank you. Thank you for being such a bitch. <laughs> it really helped me. <laughs> she lives a little bit, but she's, she's a sad soul, bless her. Send her lots of love and healing. And do you feel, I get, where you had that experience with your first one being born, it was almost like that guiding light maybe that, hang on, I know there's a light Yeah. to to. to I guess that polarity really gave you the opportunity to go something's off here yeah and make a change it just opened up so much it just all that space in my mind all the space I have in my mind now was just consumed by that one thought wow I shouldn't be alive my, my sort of goal in life was just to figure out how to end my life the right the right way you know, make sure that I wrote the note properly so that everything else would work out perfectly and all the what-ifs needed sorting first. You know, it was like a proper job that I had to do and I had to do it right. And then after that, when they stopped, it was just like somewhat, you would call it presence, I suppose, where that wasn't going on anymore. So there was nothing there and it was just space for, you know, which is just opportunity isn't it just masses of opportunity to go wherever I wanted do whatever I wanted with whatever space I had available to me with this baby inside me and it was just like yeah opened up all this space so that I ended up which I was probably gonna anyway heading towards like the spiritual path and just completely embodied it as soon as I found it I was like, I wasn't just teetering in and out. I was like, this is my life. Take it all. <laughs> Carry it with me. Never let it go. <laughs> yeah. It, um, yeah, just completely changed my life. 
So when I met you, it was um, at Future Proof and you were all singing and chanting and doing Kirtan. That the Ascension one in Halifax. Yeah, in Leeds. Yeah. And um, obviously you had your little one and like I said, you was pregnant with, with Jimmy at this time. What was it that drew you to the music and doing ceremony and stuff like that? Like what, what got you, like what brought you to that space? So all my life, I've been able to sing. That's still really hard for me to say. Um, I'm working on a lot of authentic expression at the minute. So my voice just goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, all my life I've been able to sing, but living in the household that I lived in, if I was singing loudly, and my mum was on a come down. It was, you know, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I've got an edict. Stop singing. You do my head in. And then it turned into like, you can't sing. You sound like strangled cats. And then that sort of just carried on. I, that's how I began to sing, you know. So if I was singing at work, I wouldn't sing like I could sing. I would sing like I couldn't sing. So that, that wouldn't happen to me. And I'd be prepared for that sort of abuse, basically. And then... It's funny, actually, this this memory always sticks out for me with me and Paul. I was sat in my mum's back garden and, you know, everyone was drinking. Like, I, I've never taken drugs up until, like, maybe a couple of years ago when I experimented with psychedelics. Um, So everyone else was, like, off the red on the kit and all that. And I was just having a... I, think, I don't even think I was drinking. I think I had, like, a cup of tea or something. I was, like, quite elderly in my, in my ways. <laughs> a nice cup of tea on an evening sort of person at 18 years old. And... um, Oh, 19, sorry. And, yeah, just, like, singing along quietly to this song, and Paul was sat next to me, and he went, you can sing, you. Do you, like, sing on stage? And I was like, what? No, what the hell? No, shut up, don't talk to me. <laughs> I got so embarrassed and like I sat there for ages like worrying around my mind like oh my god I can't believe I've just let myself be heard singing and it was like this massive thing for me and since then like you know I've I'd never sang in properly in front of Paul until maybe the last couple of years um and it was through him going to the cacao ceremony training and starting to facilitate ceremonies that I began to play guitar next to him, in front of him. Like I'd never played guitar in front of him before until that day. And if I did, if he walked in the room, I would like start playing the wrong chords and go, oh, I can't do that song on purpose. So he didn't hear me playing. I was just so anxious around play, being seen and heard with music. So when he started doing the ceremonies, I learned the chords and the chords are really easy to Kirtan songs. They're always pretty much the same throughout most of the songs. So I'd be sat playing really quietly. And then as they progressed and as my spiritual connection grew with music and the cacao and everything incorporated, I started playing louder, singing louder to the point where I started singing on my own in ceremonies. And it's just sort of bloomed from there. So I completely, like, Paul has been a massive catalyst for that you know like he's such an amazing musician that didn't help my anxiety but you know when someone can sing and play as good as Paul it's really hard to sit and play in front of him and not judge myself 
on that sort of thing. It's something I still struggle with now, but much, much less than I did. I am getting better. I haven't played in a while, but I'm getting there now. Um, but yeah, the cacao ceremonies, that was like the safe place for me to play. And um, I just feel like the cacao ceremonies just really upgraded his life. Like once Paul trained and cacao entered our life, <laughs> that was it. Like everything just went... This is this is what you deserve. Like, look at this life. It's been so beautiful. Mm. So beautiful. We even had a cacao ceremony at his wedding. <laughs> well, hand Because we just love it. <laughs> so tell us about what you're up to now then, whilst being a mum and doing all these other bits and pieces. Like what what are you doing, I guess, on this path? And also, what are you doing for you while you're going through, or while you're not going through, while you're being you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so at the moment, my biggest job is trying to find balance. That's what I'm doing spiritually. Because running a business alongside having postnatal depression and two children and you know a relationship to nurture as well because that's been put on the back burner a lot with this um it's I've really found it challenging to find a balance it's recently come to light that I've been throwing myself into this work sorry my social media looks so good throwing myself into work to somewhat paste over some of the cracks that I haven't been dealing with yet so now I'm starting to find the balance a bit more rather than going health lever every day on the business and putting the kids as a second priority and learning to switch that around now and have maybe a day off work, just me and the kids, and then the next day balance it out a bit more and just try and try and work it out like that. And it's it seems to be helping and I'm getting there with it. It's just one of those things like I, I can't control every day. I don't know what's going to happen every day. So I'm trying to fall into the feminine, go with the flow a bit more, just see what's coming as it's coming in rather than try and preempt everything because it's exhausting. So that's why I haven't stopped doing my women's circles because that for me is so important with especially connecting in with my divine feminine keeping my connection clear with God um, as well as keeping connected with other women and being of service. Like it, it all feeds my soul. And when I say, like I said to a few people, I just miss being of service while I was, this is before I told people before, about my postnatal depression, probably before I even knew about it actually. And they were like, well, you are of service. You know, you're bringing up two kids. I'm like, yeah, but you don't get it. It's different. That is being of service to the planet, but I want to be of service to individual people because that helps me by sort of, you know, it's like a cycle, isn't it? The more people you help, the better you feel about yourself. And then the better I feel about myself, I start to look after myself better. And it's this, it's this cycle I've found that works for me. We're not all the same, you know, it won't work that way for everyone. But for me, that's really important. So rather than saying, I've got too much on my plate, I'm going to stop facilitating, which I know would take me on a bit more of a downward curve. 
I'm going to keep that facilitating and just keep that once a month. That's it. That's all it is. Once a month for a couple of hours. It's not a lot. doesn't take that much advertising. And the, what I am cutting away is stuff that I don't need to be doing. Like scrolling through. I started doing this thing on Facebook where I would go on my business page and start liking everyone else's posts to build the algorithm. I'm like, I don't need to be doing that. Like algorithms I don't care about them <laughs> they're the least interesting thing <laughs> in my life algorithms like it's just a boring word isn't it so stuff like that I've cut out I don't want to be doing that sort of stuff and I'm, I'm just looking at what what I can release and let go of and what I can really be putting my attention and my focus into um and Paul's took control of doing like the cacao ceremonies and things like that. He's running them now so that I'm taking a step back and keeping keeping my energy as, as clean as I can while I'm still sort of finding the balance and looking after the two kids as well. I am looking forward to being able to jump back in, but I'm trying to, in fact, no, I'm not trying to, because now I'm at the point where I am enjoying being a mum to both of my kids it's not just one or the other and although it's stressful <laughs> it's super stressful it's never going to stop being stressful I absolutely love it so um yeah I'm, I'm just sort of enjoying my it's kind of like maternity leave but when you run your own business you can't really stop altogether so it's like a half maternity leave I suppose <laughs> I'm part-time <laughs> is that the right way to put it um and for myself that's that's my biggest challenge at the moment I think actually is figuring out what I want to do on my own like without the kids it's when you become a mother I don't think it matters how many times you have kids I think it must happen every time or most times you just lose your identity completely because you fall into mum mode and you've got these, this thing to look after and nourish and keep it, you know, safe and alive and everything else becomes extra stuff. So I'm just trying to find find that me again, find what where, where my passions lie, because they'll change now as well. Now I've got Jim Bob, you know, everything changed. So now I've got to figure out what the new me likes, what I want to do with my spare time, how I want my self-care to look. I think, you know, I fell into a bad habit of going for a coffee as self-care and it's just just fueled my anxiety and stuff like that. So now I want to look more into going into nature instead, you know, and just falling back into flow with the good stuff in life rather than the dopamine-filled stuff, which <laughs> it's never good. It feels good at the time, but it just doesn't last very long, does it? So, yeah, just getting to know myself again it's it's, a, it's quite a beautiful journey and now I'm getting more time to do it I'm enjoying the process more like ah, I'm an avid journaler journal all the time I journal every day and uh I just write that's what I do I write in and I find out these little parts of my soul that I forgot about or that I didn't know about and it comes out to me on paper it's such a it's such a beautiful practice that I've fallen into it's like the divine just flows through my pen. So I got myself a sparkly pen as well <laughs> to make it that that bit more special. Um, so yeah, I feel like me and my journal are going on quite the quite the journaling journey. Um, 
and it's interesting it's interesting to see how much a person changes through having a child there's a lot of stuff that we don't really think about even like my bath temperature I don't like saying bath temperatures anymore I used to like a proper hot scalding bath now it's too much for me I want a tepid bath that's happened to me and I yeah. maybe where because you said this journey began when you had the first one yeah yeah the journey primarily began a few years ago so I don't know who I am and what I like anymore and what's true and what's not and yeah. you've literally gone into that warm spiritual journey plus motherhood yeah together and now you're, I guess you it sounds like you're getting a bit of space to go what is this for me yeah and very similar like I feel like I probably was so I don't know about you emotionally numb that getting in a hot bath I'd like it's not hot enough Whereas yeah. I think the last few times I, I literally jumped in and jumped out and I was like, I think you're getting more sensitive. <laughs> you can actually feel what temperature feels like now rather yeah. than being emotionally void. Yeah, definitely. I'm like dipping my foot in and out. I'm like, gosh, when will this bath cool down? Like, is, is there something wrong with the boiler? And it's not, it's just me and my sensitive feet. They're starting to feel stuff like you say and our bodies are becoming more awake to our surroundings because emotionally we're more open maybe yeah interesting. exploring the feminine and mm. for me I don't know about you I wasn't into my five senses so I wasn't interested in taste I wasn't interested in touch sound and all these things now and perhaps like for me I don't know about you when I get on the yoga mat I can really feel the yoga mat I feel like you know I can be part of it or if I go on the grass I'm like wow whereas before I'd have just stomped on through and and so now it's almost just like I'm learning to connect to these different parts of me yeah. which are awakening me to I guess that feminine part that's now feeling safe to be seen and heard and explored because I'm not on this sounds similar to you like this hyper militant everything needs to be controlled yeah and now it's just like i've got to learn to go with the flow and fuck me that bath is boiling hot what was <laughs> i doing and i thought oh my poor boobies all these years i've just been like dunking in or whatever not even like a steady drop just like burn <laughs> 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 like a manifestation of carly ma <laughs> oh jesus yeah it's it's strange how much we don't know about our own bodies isn't it like right down to the physical sensation of heat there's so much that we just don't, don't know it's amazing <laughs> I think for me like a lot of the sensation and sensory side of stuff like I used to have an eating disorder where all my anxiety would manifest in my mouth and because I came through a lot of neglect and stuff as a child I would eat beige food only so when it came to being vegan and nothing was really beige anymore, I had to go through counselling to help me because I just couldn't do it. it was eating vegetables and bananas and stuff would send me around the bend. So mantra has been a massive one for me, just keeping my focus, making sure that I didn't lose focus. And I would chant mantra while I ate. And it really, really helped me. It was fascinating. That's so, really, really interesting. So we've... Tell us a bit about mantra and how maybe someone with maybe um, a challenging relationship with food or their body could connect to something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so mantra is, um, it's it's known as mantra or 
sometimes they call it mala or japa, which is the beads that you use. Um, it is basically a repetition of, and it can be in English or in Sanskrit or, you know, in Buddhist. Uh, it can be in so many different ones, actually. I'm really looking into it at the moment. Um, but it's a repetition of a word or a sentence that helps you fall into the present. It's a meditation process. So if you were to meditate and focus on the breath, it's the same as that same principle, focus on the mantra that you're saying. Um, the mantras that I use work with a lot of the Hindu gods. So the the main one that I use with my eating disorder was Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha. You do it 108 times around the beads. Um, or you can just get a recorded version on YouTube that works just as well, but it's nice to have your own tool. My beads have become like, like my anxiety beads, you know, I, I fall to them and I hold them and they sort of hold me in space now and we've got a really beautiful connection. Um, but yeah, I, I found that that mantra worked the best um, because Ganesha, which is um, who the mantra is for, it's sort of saying, Ganesha, this mantra is for you, um, is the remover of obstacles. So I set the intention that when I was chanting that mantra, I would remove the obstacle of the sensation in my mouth. I would remove the obstacle of the fear of eating. And the more I did it, the more it worked. And I just found myself in this place now where I can, I can eat whatever I want, whatever I want. And I don't, sometimes I get like maybe a slimy mushroom and I'll get like the trigger and I'll go, Ooh, and I'll go, Actually, Om Gam Maha, that's delicious. Thank you. And I'll sort of, we've sort of got like a jokey thing going on now. But just doing it, the repetition, uh, if you've got beads, do it with the beads. Um, and every time you feel that sensation arise, if you don't have your beads with you, just chant it in your head as you go in. You know, no one has to know it's going on. We're not particularly talking while you're eating anyway. So you might as well. Um, and it just takes the focus away, shifts your perspective completely. And it's such a powerful tool in any other healing aspects. If you've got physical pain, if you've got mental issues and mental pain, you know, if you anything that you've got going on in life, um, mantra is a really beautiful uh, practice to fall into and to get used to because you can do it anywhere absolutely anywhere it doesn't you will never be not be able to chant mantra even if you lose your tongue you know you can still think it it's such a beautiful practice um my current practice actually is with om shri matrena maha and that's the divine mother and i'm finding she's holding me really really well while i'm going through this transition from new motherhood and the label of the mental health uh, challenges that I've been through with postnatal depression and she's helping the separation go much more smoothly and helping me also falling into my divine mother aspect I'm learning how to mother myself now all the stuff my inner child and inner teenager wanted from a mother I'm learning how to give myself because you know we can always mother ourselves we can embody that mother 
um and she's teaching me a lot about that so yeah it's it's been a really beautiful practice really beautiful and when do you do you do it mostly when you're eating or are you doing it like in the mornings or evenings uh I don't do it when I eat anymore because I don't need to um I, I tend I like doing it in the morning I like my morning practice but as I say sometimes that's not feasible um so I literally now I'll walk down the street with the pram and my mala beads and I'll just chant down the street. I'm just not bothered. I love it so much. I love it when people look at me because I'm like, I hope they go home and Google it. Because maybe like it's something that could really help them, you know. Um, but yeah, I'll do it. I do it most of the time now in my head, constantly on a loop, going around my head, Om Shri Matarena Maha. Um I messaged Jan Tamer after Stone Cold Sober asking him about one of his songs and he just gave me all this crazy information about all these different mantras I could use to help me with my uh, postnatal depression and things. And he was just so helpful. So I, I feel like just making that connection with him has really helped helped my connection with with the mantra and especially Om Shri Matrena Maha. So, um, yeah, I'm very grateful to Jan Tamer for that. But yeah, like I say, on a nice morning practice is always good if you've got the time. Um, but just don't punish yourself if you miss it. You know, just do it when you can. That was my biggest thing. Like, I haven't done my morning practice. <laughs> I'm a failure. <laughs> I'm falling for that. I'm just going to start gurring at myself, walking around the house. And now I'm like, oh, I miss it. I'll just start now while I'm washing up. You know, you can do it anywhere, anytime. It's nice to sit down and do it in ceremony, but it doesn't have to be that way. It's not always going to be that way. So yeah, just be uh, just be graceful and gentle with yourself. Yeah. So maybe let us know what some things coming up for for you and um, maybe you ample or your stuff coming up and when your next women's circle is just to sort of, um, and maybe let people know what to expect in a women's circle or what you sort of do or anything you want to share. Yeah, yeah. Um, so me and Paul are based in Wakefield, um, which is near Leeds for those that are not from this area. And anywhere between Leeds and Manchester is a bit of a grey area for spiritual stuff. Uh, it's quite hard to find you've got to be underground knowing the people you know <laughs> so we're just trying to pull it out from the root and just go ah we're actually just here you know <laughs> there's no need to scour scour the earth looking for us um so we're setting a lot up in Wakefield that's where I do like my conscious uh meetups now which are every two weeks in Wakefield um and that's just basically you know meeting in a cafe having a conscious conversation with some new people and last time we did it was so good mm. just like sat there crying and like laughing his heads off celebrating it was so good um so there i'll be sharing them on our um business page on facebook paul does plenty of cacao ceremonies and sound baths now in wakefield as well um and we've started a indoor conscious connection festival uh which is in outwood which is just it's in wakefield it's its own little its own little town um and we've got a really cool line at this time we've got craig seaton doing breath work 
We've got uh, Abby and LK doing the get on it. It's like a yoga rave. It's so much fun. Um, we've got this guy called Christian doing a sound bath with his gong and things like that. It's going to be so ace. The last one was, it was just amazing to have it in our hometown. It was like 70 people turned up and we were wow. like, Maybe there's about 30 people in Wakefield that like this sort of stuff, so they'll come, and there's like 70. We were so blown away. Um, and it's all vegan, you know, it's all completely heart-based. You know, tickets are only like 22 quid for an adult or 11 quid for a child. All the all the workshops are free when you're in there. It's sort of more of a community-building event. Um, and that's on the 26th of August. And then... The women's circles, I'm kind of doing the go with the flow thing with the women's circles. I tried, the last one I did, I tried to structure it and I tried to masculine it and it just didn't, just didn't listen to me. I was just trying to control it completely. So this time I'm going in with absolutely blindness. So if you want to come, don't ask me what's going to happen because I don't know. Love All that. I know is there'll be some gorgeous cacao. I'll be there. There'll be some beautiful ladies there. We'll probably sing Cacao Cita, but I'm not promising anything because I forgot last time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just um, come in with an open mind because I will be. Um, and um, I know you guys would do it. You did an online mantra course. Have you got anything? Oh, yeah, like yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So Paul's just set up another one. Um, that's starting in August um that's on our social media it's not on our website because we want to set we're helping people set up payment plans and stuff because mm -hmm. it's 88 pounds for the course but that's basically four weeks of learning about different mantras and dif the different hindu gods that they go with um we go really in depth into the symbolism of them and things like that and just help you set up your own personal practice with them and your own personal connection. And last time, people really found deep connection and it helped them move through a lot. And it was really beautiful. Wow. Um, so this time will be even better because it'll be the second time we've done it. So we've got a better idea of how things go and who wants to do what. And yeah, it's going to be really beautiful. Yeah, well, it sounds so like it's been so powerful for you as well. Please. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's changed. Mantra is just, I didn't really get it at first, but actually it was one of the first ever spiritual things I came across, listening to new different types of music that weren't like indie and rock music. So it was like Sam Garrett, music like that. And it turns out a lot of his songs are actually mantras that I chant now. And Paul would be like, I heard this new mantra today. It's called the Guru Mantra. I was like, oh, I know that one. Sam Garrett sings it. And he's like, go on then. So I'm like, okay. Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Devo, Maheshwara, Guru Saksha Param Brahma, Taz Maheshwara, Guru Veda Maha. And it's like, what? I'm like, I've been singing it for like six months now. It's like embedded in my soul. <laughs> it's like, I'm still trying to learn it. <laughs> so yeah, Mantra's like been there right from the beginning, just in disguise. It's been such a, probably a massive reason why I excelled so quickly on the spiritual journey mm. mindlessly chanting all these crazy mantras just because I like the sound of the song well I guess it helped clear the mind yeah yeah that's it 
So they've been a massive part of my journey. And I do recommend to anyone, like, there's so many different types of mantras as well. They're not all in Sanskrit and hard to say languages and things. Um, you, can, you can literally use an affirmation as a mantra, you know, like, I am confident. You can do that 108 times on the beads. And by the end of it, you'll be feeling pretty confident, you know. You do that every day for 44 days and you've reprogrammed your whole blood system and your body to be confident. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a quite a deep practice and I've been on some really deep healing journeys as well with mantra to places I really didn't know could exist without psychedelics and things like that. So they can be really potent as well when you use them in the right way. Um, but as a starter, they're also the they're one that one size fits all with mantra for me. Like it'll work as a starter and it'll work as a, I'm propelling off to the end of the university later sort of job. <laughs> and what I guess, just maybe for one last question, what's the way, because if you've been on like, like you said, the mantra opens up these sort of portals or these deep maybe moments for you, mm. what would you recommend to help ground ground that so that you can come back to okay I'm here as well yeah um so I would recommend if you are chanting mantra and it takes you into for example um a place of trauma and it opens up a lot for you and you sort of experience maybe re-experiencing it or you know re-seeing it again and you're ready to to come back down just um, would focus on your physical body. So focus on what your sensations are. Go through the five senses. So maybe like stroke your hands together. How does that feel? Does it feel rough? Does it feel soft? Can you feel all five fingers? Tap like each of the ends of your fingers together. That's a really good way to get your hands back, which is the main. That's what you want. You want your hands back. Um. And then do the same with your feet, wiggle your toes, see if you can like stroke all your toes together, stroke your floor, wherever you are, you know, get that sensation back flowing into your feet. And then what can you smell? Yeah, sometimes you've got to really try hard with that as well. That's why it's a good one. Really see if you can smell anything. And if not, can you feel the sensation of the air going through the nostrils, up the nasal passage, down the throat, into the lungs? Uh, then, you know, sense of taste, move your tongue around your mouth, open your eyes, focus on two things in your room, maybe that you haven't noticed before or that you haven't noticed in a long time. And by the end of that, you should really be back. And then what I recommend doing, rather than just grounding and leaving it, is to process mm -hmm. and integrate what you've just learned because there's a reason that you were shown that. So journaling for me is a massive one. I'll always say journaling. Um, just mind dump it on paper. Just write until your hand's going to fall off. You'll find it, it comes out so easy. Just write down everything and then read through it. You know, sometimes you'll have like a hard moments. Most of the time you will. Um, it's so healing. If you don't like writing or you don't have the capacity to write, you can do voice notes or typing um, or just meditate on it. Just make sure that you keep yourself grounded while you're doing it. Do it outside, maybe. Put your feet in water. That's a good way to keep it cleansed. Just make sure that you process through it. Thank you. And um, I guess, is there anything else you'd like to maybe add today or share? I don't think there's anything in particular, just that I'm really grateful 
for this opportunity to share my story um, in the hopes that maybe it finds at least one person that needs to hear it or that needs to know that things like postnatal depression are easy to not realise are there or, you know, that that needed to learn a little bit more about it just in case they meet someone that's got it and they need to understand it a little bit more. Or just someone that's got kids that's just like, God, this is hard. At least I'm not the only one that's having a tough time. <laughs> you can be all spiritual and woo-woo on the outside, but, you know, life's still hard underneath mm -hmm. and we still have human experiences. That's why we're here. So just try and body it and feel into it as much as you can and then let it go. It's like the waves or the clouds blowing by, you know, just try not to hold on too tight because you can put yourself in quite a difficult position. But yeah, I'm just super grateful and um, enjoyed having an hour with no child hanging off me. I'll pop all of your details below so people can get over to your website or your socials and maybe experience a bit of magic in Wakefield or even online. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the one. Let's get the magic growing in Wakefield. Trying as best. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome.